Father God, we give you praise. We give you glory. We receive this word today with gladness, joy unspeakable, and full of glory. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. You may be seated. Before I preach this message, I asked Stan if he would come up and read something to you. I want you to hear. It's going to go right into the message. And I want you to hear. Come on up. Come on up. What I'm bringing today is a call to prayer. Somebody pray. Um, I received an email this week from Intercessors for America prayer group. If you want to check it out more, just uh, go into the Internet, Intercessors for America. And uh, they're asking Christians to pray for our president and the administration. We're not talking about just support or agreement with, but demonic forces coming against. Uh, As you know, this next Thursday is Halloween. And one week before Halloween, which was this last Thursday, the witches... Warlocks, etc., declared that a day of prayer against our president and his administration to bring incantations, spells. This has been going on. It started, actually, as I understand it, in 017. It's been going on for two years. And thousands, thousands of these people came together this last Thursday to try to bring down what the voters voted in as the leaders for this country. So they're making a call to us to pray, to cancel those incantations, those spells, and what they call their prayers to their gods. And their very words is they called on the demons to come against this administration. So, folks, let's pray this coming week, and especially as we approach Halloween. I know God's convicted me about Halloween. I I declared to my family, I'll have no more to do with it ever again. And I'm hoping that the church as a whole we'll start to realize the, uh, the effect that it's had and on our young people and uh, convict us to do what's right. Thank you. Now, there's a reason why I had him speak that. I want you to turn with me to Revelation. Chapter 2. We're going to be speaking about some things that's not very popular. How many of you know that when you get into God's Word and you start speaking the truth, it's not popular? How many of you know that? And so that's where we're at. Now, one day the church is full, the next day it's not. So if your faith depended on that, we'd be in a lot of trouble. So our faith depends upon the Word of God. Can you say amen to that? By the way, that was a good song. You had a great voice. <clears throat> so 
we're going to be looking at some of the things that uh, that the uh, John the Revelator said that would happen, and uh, that Jesus spoke. Uh, I, I don't know if I'm going to get this statistic right, but I'm going to get it close. That in the Western Hemisphere, which we're in the Western Hemisphere, and the prime meridian runs right through Europe, and so the United Kingdom and those, those nations are part of the Western Hemisphere. <clears throat> and the Western Hemisphere has been losing... Uh, people out of the church 10% at a time every, I think, what, two or three years or something to that effect. And that Europe itself is an atheistic country. It's an atheistic nation. And what you see in Europe, the United Kingdom especially, is what you are going to see here in the United States within five to ten years because we always follow after them. We broke away from them, but we like to follow after them. Does that make sense? Okay. So what happens is, is that Islam, Buddhism, all of those different faiths, you can talk about. You talk about them in the public school if you want to. But you can't talk about Christianity. You talk about God. But you can't talk about Jesus. You can't do that. And so I, I was in the, uh, the obituaries this morning. And uh, there was a young man. How many of you know Marita Dudley? She's part of this church, but she's been sick. Her, her son was killed in a car wreck a few days ago. So I, I was looking in the obituary. So I just happened to read some of the obituaries. I like doing that. I probably shouldn't, but I do. And I noticed where these men that had died were talking about their husbands. And I'm, I'm looking at that and I'm just chuckling. And I think it's the funniest thing I've ever heard. You know, because, because if all of the people... We're, we're dead on planet earth except for a man and a woman and they were younger you could still have people but if you have two men you're in a lot of trouble if you have two women you're in a lot of trouble that's for all you that think it's okay and it's not very popular what i'm going to speak about this morning but it's still truth and what we've done in our churches to get our numbers up i like numbers so people say, well, numbers aren't important. Yes, they are. Numbers are important for the fact that people need to get saved. Right. Now, numbers aren't important because we just want to see a church grow. But numbers are important to see salvation take place and people grow through conversion. Now, most of all of our churches don't grow through conversion. They grow through uh, 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 transition. That some people go to this church, and you heard that joke about the castaway. That when they found him, like ten years later, there were three buildings on on the island, and they they said, "Well, what's these buildings?" He said, "Well, the middle one's my home. What's the one on the left? That's my church. What's the one on the right? That was my church before I got mad and left." Okay, all right. So, 
you know, that's the way we do some things, okay? So, John the Revelator, the Lord Jesus speaks through him and gives him this. This is the revelation of Jesus Christ. This is not revelations. This is one revelation. And it's important that we read this, especially in these latter times. Now, we don't preach much about it anymore, but Jesus Christ is coming. Understand that. And here's what we need to understand. He is not delaying his coming. When he comes, he's going to come right on time. When the Holy Spirit came through the upper room, he was not one second early, nor was he one second late. He came at the time God told him to come. How many of you understand that? So as we tarry for the Holy Ghost, that isn't the reason why he came is because those people were tearing. They were tearing so that they could get closer to God when he came. How many of you understand that? He didn't come because they were tearing. He was coming because Jesus had already foretold that he was. And so what we have is that we have some churches, and they're the seven churches of Asia that is spoken in the book of Revelation. And many times what we do when we talk about these churches is that we use them in era of time, E-R-A. We say this is a certain time for this church and this is a certain time for this church. And that can be, I'm not going to speak in it that way this morning. What I'm going to show you is those churches are alive in our country today. And they're alive in the Western Hemisphere. Now here's, a, here's also a part that you need to hear. That the church is growing in third world countries at a very fast, rapid pace. And here's something that I think is just wonderful. The church is growing faster with the Muslims than it is with, with, with people that are not Islamic. How many of you know that? And that's because these Muslims are watching these Christians die for the cause of Christ that they say, we want to know this God. We want to know Jesus. And Muslims are getting saved at a faster rate than anybody else. That's amazing right there. That tells you that God's still on the throne. And so we look at these, we look at these, uh, 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 we look at these churches. And we're going to start with, with the first church, which is Ephesus. And I can't stay in these churches very long unless you want me to preach all day. Okay, you don't. Okay, so I'll just kind of hit these churches. All right. So in Revelation chapter 2 and verse 1, Here's what the Lord says. Everybody there? Unto the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand and walketh in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. First of all, he's going to say something. He's going to say, I know who you are. He's going to say to every one of those churches, I know who you are. Listen, he knows who we are. And you take this church of Ephesus. Now listen to what he says to Ephesus. He says, I, I think you're a good church. He said, I know your works. He said, I know your labor. He said, I know your patience. He said, I know you cannot bear evil. 
He said, I know you try the spirits to test the, the prophets to see whether they're false prophets or not. He says, but this, he says, I have somewhat against you. How many of you see that? Nevertheless, he says, I have somewhat against you. Listen to what he says. Thou hast left thy first love. How many of you got that? We are so in love with the church that we have forgotten Jesus. How many of you know that God is a jealous God? He will have no other before him. We preachers have fallen in love with the church. Listen to me. I can't fall in love with this church. I have to be in love with Jesus. Somebody say amen. amen. And then this is the church that he give me to pastor over. Listen to me. And so therefore we can't be in love with the church. We have to be in love with God. And if we're in love with the Lord, then he brings the blessing to the church. How many of you got that? The eunuch. You take a eunuch. And so he is a man that has severed his, his uh, 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 male parts so that he can be a servant to the king. And so when Esther, Queen Esther, uh, this eunuch has Queen Esther, and Esther can't take the throne for a year because, first of all, she's got to be taught how to live in the kingdom. Boy, that'll go a long way. We're in the kingdom, but we don't know how to live in the kingdom. She has to be taught how to live in the kingdom. She has to be taught how to talk in the kingdom. She has to be taught how to dress in the kingdom. She has to be taught all these things about the kingdom, okay? And so she's not going to see that king for a year. And so you have that eunuch that is taking care of her. Now, you know what? She probably flirted with that eunuch. But guess what the eunuch didn't do? He didn't flirt with her. And today we're flirting with the church. Listen to me, people. Wake up. Pastors need to wake up. Elders need to wake up. Deacons need to wake up. We can't flirt with the church. Listen to me. He's, this is what he's saying. He said, I want you to preach truth. And the truth is Jesus Christ, him crucified. Somebody say amen. And that's what he said. He said, nevertheless, I have somewhat against you. You've left your first love. He said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to come back. He said, I want you to repent. I want you to do your first works over. I want you to come back to me the same way you were when you first found me or I first found you. Isn't that something? You want your church to grow, get people saved because they'll go out and bring people in. People that sat in church for 20 years don't bring anybody in. I got in trouble one time teaching Dandridge, Tennessee. I was younger. I, I learned my lesson. But, but I, told, I told these teenagers, I said, if you come to the Lord, just come to him as you are. And I said, you don't have to do anything else. Just come to the Lord. Well, they came to the Lord. And this, this little 12-year-old girl, she had the spiked hair. She had so much in her ears and on her nose and in her eyelids and everything. She fell in the water. She drowned just from the weight of all that silver and gold that she had on her. Okay, And she came to the altar. She was repenting. And she found the Lord as her Savior. And, and at, at, when she got saved, this older lady walked up. She said, now, honey, you know, now that you're saved, you got to change and you got to do all this and that. And she looked at me and I said, don't listen to her. I said, don't listen to her. because, And she said, huh. And she went and told the pastor. And he said to me, he said, did you tell her that? I said, yeah, I did. 
I said, when's the last time that woman did anything for this church? That girl right there turned your church around. Somebody say amen to that. Listen to me. You want, you want people, go back to your first love and see what the Lord will do. Now, there's another church, and it's called Pergama. Okay? And by the way, I mean, let me go through this. Okay? He that holdeth the seven stars in his hand, if you go over to Revelation 1.20, just write it down. He that holdeth the seven stars in his hand, that's Jesus. Who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks, that's Jesus. Understand this. And he and the messenger or the angel is me, is the preacher. Here's what it means right here in the Greek. That angel is a bishop or a presiding elder or a pastor. It's not some angelic being that is, is over the church. It's those who are in operation of the church. And he said, look, he said, I'm going to hold your feet to the fire. How this church goes is how I go. And if I get strong in the spirit, so will you. But if I allow secularism and humanism to come in this place, so will you. And God is going to hold my feet to the fire. How many of you understand that? Teachers, he's going to hold your feet to the fire. He's going to hold you elders, your feet to the fire. That's what he says. He said, listen, he says, if you don't listen to me, I'm going to remove your candlestick. You are not going to be counted as a candlestick for the Lord, a light that shows throughout the world. Churches in the Western Hemisphere are dwindling, but third world countries, these people are having revival. Why? Because we've fallen prey to four, five out of the seven churches. Listen to Pergama. Pergama, they killed Anubis, who was a holy man. The, the church settled, and, and, and if you want a title on this one, it's the, the, that the, the world has settled in this church. And listen to what he said. He said, I know your works. He said, you have the throne of Satan standing and sitting right in your church. My goodness, that's what he says. He says, Satan dwells right in your congregation. He said, you hold to the doctrines of Balaam. And that was sexual misconduct. Conduct, and it condemned the church at that time. He said, you hold to the doctrines of the Nicolaitans homosexuality and etc. and all those things. He said, listen, you got to repent and you need to repent quickly. Why do you need to repent quickly? Because Jesus is coming quickly. Understand something, Jesus is not coming soon. If Jesus was coming soon, he'd already come. People say, Pastor, why don't you like the NIV translation? Because it doesn't read right. It's never read right, and it's not going to read right. Listen to me. It says in, in the NIV, Jesus coming soon. That's a space of time. If he was coming soon, he had already been here. If he was coming soon, he would have made himself out a liar. God is not a liar. Listen to what he said. He said, when I come, I come quickly. That's what he said. He said, when I come, I'm coming as a thief in the night. When he comes, he's coming so quick we won't even realize what's taking place. He could come right now, people. The prophecies in the Bible are being fulfilled one right after another. 
listen to me. I, do you want this church to grow, Pastor? Absolutely I want this church to grow. But I want to see people come close to the Lord. I want to see people start to hold truth to the Word of God. I want to see the gifts in the church. I want to see the fruit in the church. Listen, I don't want a white church. I don't want a black church. I don't want an Asian church. I want a multicultural church where God says, I touch everybody. Somebody say amen to that. He says that to Pergamon. He said, you need to repent. He said, I'm coming quickly. There's a great awakening in the United States of America. And when that great awakening came through the United States of America or North America in the 1800s, listen to what it started off with. It didn't touch the affluent. We are so into affluent people. A guy said to me one time, say, hey, I want you to go golfing with me and my people out of my church. And we're going to be gone about five days. I said, I can't do that. I said, I, I can't justify that. Oh, he said, come on, we'll pay for it. I said, even if you pay for it, I can't justify it. You see, listen to me. When, when the Great Awakening came through North America, he touched the poor people. How many of you understand? He touched the farmer. He touched the common man. It was those people that was coming out from the highways and the byways. It said that Jonathan Edwards preached to 28,000 people without a microphone. Come on, people. These people, it said that Jonathan Edwards would go into a building and he would, into a, into a factory and said he would start preaching in the factory and people would quit working and he, people would fall out and give their hearts to him. To the Lord said when old Finney came through when Finney just just the presence of Finney just drew people to him and they became under conviction and came to the Lord. When's the last time somebody just got convicted because we're there? Think about what God says, what God wants. Listen to what he said about Pergamos. He said, man, he said, you've taken that place and you've turned it into an affluent place. And now it's called the synagogue of Satan. That's an amazing thing. Let's go to the next one, Thyatira. This church is a church of idolatry. God says, I know. He says to Ephesus, he said, I know. He says to Pergamum, he said, I know. He's saying to Thyatira, he says, I know. He said, you're a church in adultery. I mean, idolatry. I'm sorry, idolatry. Listen to what he says. He said, you put up with Jezebel. He said, you put up with Jezebel. If you're taking notes, write down these four spirits. These four spirits will kill your church. It will kill your marriage. It will kill everything that is around you. And those four spirits, number one is the spirit of grumbling. Number two is the spirit of Kara that usurps authority. The, the third spirit is the spirit of Absalom that, that uses flattery. And that fourth spirit is the fourth spirit is called Jezebel. And those spirits will destroy a church in a heartbeat. And when those spirits come in, here's what it does. It brings in secularism and humanism. You'd be surprised even of our Pentecostal charismatic churches that agree with abortion. You know what the word abortion means? It means slaughter. Go and look at that word. Look it up. It means that we have slaughtered 60 million babies. We've slaughtered them. You know what Paul says to the Corinthians about homosexuality? He said, as you once were. He said, as you once were, when you came to Christ, you quit doing that. But yet we put up with that. Why do we do that? Because we don't want to lose numbers. Listen to me, people. God knows. Somebody say amen to that. 
the church has to be this kind of church. The church has to be a hospital. And understand this, it has to be a hospital for sinners to find Jesus Christ as their Savior. Give me an amen on that. It has to be a hospital for people who are sick that they might be healed. Give me an amen on that. It has to be a hospital for those who need deliverance from all kinds of addictions which we got. It can be done in the church if that church is sold out to the Lord Jesus Christ. Somebody say amen to that. You know, hey, you know, they tell me that a quarter of my heart's not working. Well, isn't that amazing? I do really good with three quarters of my heart working. I do good. I really do. Now they say to me, you can lose a little weight, and I probably could. Okay? But when them doctors look at you and they say, you know what, uh, you're terminal. Look at them and say, you are too. There's not any of us that's not terminal. But isn't it amazing with Sozo salvation and what God did? He Listen to what he did. We're going to die someday. Hebrews 9.27, it's appointed unto man once to die, but after this, the judgment. We're, we're going to die. There's, You know, all the prayer in the world is not going to keep you from that appointment day. How many of you understand that? Say amen if you know that. But the devil tried to take us out or he tries to destroy our quality of life. And so God in, in salvation, he put all and everything in quality of life the way we need it. And listen to what he did. He said, I'm going to save you, I'm going to heal you, I'm going to deliver you. He said, on the last day, I'm going to raise you from the dead. What a deal. You can't beat that. The devil doesn't want that out. And so we have this church right here, and he says, Jezebel. Well, what's Jezebel? She, she usurps the authority of the church. She teaches false doctrine, and she teaches sexual immorality. Let me tell you who Jezebel was real quick. Jezebel was a priestess. And when, a, when a, Ahab married her, she came into Israel and she got rid of all the priests of God. And she set all her priests to Baal up. How many of you know that? And do you know what the doctrine of Baal worshipers were? Abortion. How many of you know that? The doctrine of Molech. Molech was, was, had a cow's head and a man's body, great big belly, and they threw, they throw children in there and burn them up. Molech, uh, 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 abortion. you got to look at those things and see that. That's who Jezebel was. Jezebel, she would do anything to get her weight. Jezebel. And he said, she's in your church. He said, listen, I know this. He said, you better get her out of there. He said, because I'm telling you right now, I'm coming. And when I come, you are not going to have time to get her out of there. So listen to what he says about Jezebel. He said, I give her a time to repent. So what he said, he said, I give her a time to repent, but she wouldn't repent. And I look at that and I'm saying, wow, if God give her a time to repent, she wouldn't repent. That church guy was in a lot of trouble. And then we go to the church of Sardis. It's just a dead church. But it still has a believing remnant. Isn't that amazing? It still has a, it's a dead church, but it still has a believing remnant. Let me tell you something. God loves the remnant. The remnant is the part of clothing that is cut off of the original pattern. And when Jesus comes, let me tell you something. People, you might not like Jews, but they're still God's chosen people. They still are. You might not like the land of Israel, but it's still God's land. 
And let me tell you something. When Jesus comes and he sets his throne, he isn't setting his throne in St. Joseph. I'm sorry to tell all them Mormons he is not coming to set his throne in Independence, Missouri or Salt Lake City. He's going to set his, his throne right there in Jerusalem. Somebody say amen. Let me tell you something about Jesus. Jesus, when he comes, he's going to set up a government, right? And so, so we look at these things. The Jews, God loves the Jews. He loves them. He always has. And you know what? Here's what you're going to have a hard time with. You know that most of the Jews are liberals and atheists. But you didn't know that. But there's still a remnant. There's still a remnant. Do you know in, in Europe, even though they're an atheistic country, there's still a remnant of God's people. There's still hope. Whoever said that, there's still hope. Because when you find a remnant of praying people in the middle of perversion and a sinful society the way that we have that believes in evolution, that believes in abortion, believes in homosexuality and brought it right into the church because we're afraid to stand up for right, that remnant comes together and can create one of the greatest revivals that's ever been on planet Earth. And what God is saying, what Jesus is saying to Sardis, he's saying... That remnant right there. Start something with that remnant. And then let's go to the next church. Then you have the church of the Laodiceans. And that is the church today. Laodicea means democracy. It means people rule. Okay. Let me tell you something. This is not a democracy. This is a theocracy. Theo meaning God. Ocracy meaning government. This thing's governed by God. Boy, I'm going to hurt some people's feelings right now. And we had a church full last week. That sermon must have preached a ride out because today we have half. And so next week I might not have nobody. I don't know. We're going to see. So here's what I'm going to tell you. How many of you know God never said that the church ought to run by committee? How many of you know God never said that the church ought to run by a board of elders that tells a pastor what to do? How many of you know that? It's okay to have boards. It's not. It's, but boards should never tell a preacher what to preach. Let me tell you something. Listen to what he said. He said, when I come, he said, I'm going to remove you. He didn't say he was going to remove the board. He didn't say he was going to remove all that. He said, you know what, preacher? I'm going to remove you because you was afraid to preach the truth. You was afraid to tell the people what they needed to know. Well, what did they need to know, Lord? They needed to know me, that I'm Jesus. I was crucified. I rose on the third day, and on the and I walked with men for 40 days. And on the 40th day, I ascended unto heaven. And on the 50th day, I sent back my Holy Spirit to baptize people, to be able to live for the Lord. He said, that's kingdom preaching. That's doctrine. And we failed to do that. We don't have we don't have healing services no more. Lord have mercy if somebody speaks in tongues. I'm telling you the truth. Come on. We don't have healing services. I, I can't understand this. First Corinthians chapter 14, verses 39 and 40. Here's what here's what, what the apostle Paul said to the Corinthians. He said, You know what? He said, if you're going to covet anything, he said, covet to prophesy. He said, forbid not the speaking in tongues. And that's exactly what we did in the church today. And then the 40th verse says this. It says, do all things in decency and in order. And so we thought decency and order was removing tongues. How many of you understand that? Let me tell you something. When a man can't speak into in his own home, 
It is indecent. Don't come in my house and tell me I can't speak in my house. You You come in my house and tell me I can't speak, I ask you to leave. And don't come in my house and treat my wife bad. It ain't going to happen. I tell my kids to leave. They get smart. I don't care if they're 50 years old. They smart my wife. I tell them, there's a door. Get out of here. I'm telling you the truth. Let me tell you what's indecent. What's indecent is we've taken the Bible and we've taken so many things out of the Bible. We've taken all the gifts out of the Bible. And then we went over to 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and we say these things have ceased. Let me tell you something. All of... 1 Corinthians chapter 13 is written in future tense. And why theologians do not come around to speak the truth to me is just something that I have a hard time believing. Let me tell you something. God still operates in power. He still operates in authority. And if you know it, you'll be able to take dominion over things. That's what it is. So we've taken it out. We've taken the gifts out. We've taken, But we believe in the fruit of the Spirit. Only if it works for us. I'll forgive him, but I can't forget. Come on. Aren't you glad that God forgive your sin and forgot it? Huh? Oh, I can forgive him. But, oh, pastor, I can't forget. Then you haven't forgiven. Yeah, you haven't forgiven. See, we got this Laodicean church where people rule. And in the Laodicean church, we have evolutionists, we have abortionists, and we have immoral practices. And we all do it in the name of Jesus. And listen to what he says. He said, I know. He says, I know. Listen to what he says. He says, you're not either hot or cold. Hosanna, where are you? Are you hot or cold? He said, I'll spew you out of my mouth. He said, I'll spit you out. He said, you have bad taste. Listen to what he said. He said, the, he said, he said, the uh, Sardis church has a better taste than you. He said, even though, they, yeah, even though they have Jezebel in there, they have better taste than you because they're cold. Listen to what he said. He's saying all of these churches, he's saying Sardis Thyatira has a better taste than you. He said, you have a terrible taste. He said, because you've omitted so many things out of my word. He said, you're not hot, you're not cold. How many of you would vote for a moderate? And if you would, shame on you. You know, you either vote for who you think, but not, not somebody that straddles the fence. They'll fall either way, right? Moderates, let me tell you something. We've taken so many things out of our church. That we don't believe anymore. We don't really even believe in salvation. Anymore. We don't know what kingdom authority is. We don't understand kingdom principles. What's kingdom authority? I'm going to tell you what kingdom authority is. When I'm sick I come to church. Why? I'm sick where I was. Katina always figures it out. She prayed for me. Because listen there's healing in the body of Christ. There's deliverance in the body of Christ. You know, you can't get people to understand. Bring a sinner with you to church, and when the altar is given, bring him up there. Don't, don't let him walk himself. Bring him up there. Support him. Let, let me tell you something. We're living in the last days. All right, let me go on. I picked on you. People rule. Laodicea in church. That's where we're at today. He said, I'll spew you out. He said, you say you're rich. He said, you say you're increased with goods. Need them nothing. That's churches in the Western Hemisphere. You'd be surprised in this little church right here how much money comes through here. Money comes through these places. Let me ask you a question. We, we, take, we put our money in, in, in missions, and that money goes right out. Am I telling the truth? How many missions do we have in this church? 15? 13? 
Listen to me. The church needs to be mission-minded. Let me tell you something. You shouldn't have a whole lot of money left with a lot of people that's sick and dying out there and people that need things. You shouldn't have that. You know, in our school, there's times we pay for things in that right doors just so kids can go to school there. In the Western Hemisphere, he said, we, you're rich. It takes us to this one point. There's a wealthy man, and he looked, and he said, you know what I'm going to do? He said, I'm going to tear these barns down, and I'm going to build bigger barns. He said, then I'm going to fill these barns up. And when they're all filled up, he said, I'm going to sit back in my easy chair. And he said, I'm going to take my ease in Zion. And so he fills the barns up. He does exactly what he says he's going to do. And he gets them all filled up. And he sits back in, in, in his chair and he looks at it. And the Lord said, thou fool. He said, tonight I will require from thee thy soul. Isn't that amazing? The Laodicean church. Now we have two little churches we're going to talk about. These churches didn't sell out. One's called Smyrna. Okay? And this is the church of persecution. This is the church of martyrs. This is the church of witnesses. Everybody say witness. The word witness means martyr. If you are going to witness, you need the power to be able to suffer. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. You shall receive power to be my witnesses. Or you shall receive power to die for me. You shall receive power to suffer for me. You shall receive power. You think Antichrist is way out there. He's already taken his place on this earth. He's alive and he's well. He just hasn't got his position taken place yet. But they're trying to work it out. I'm laying in my bed the other night when I felt the Holy Spirit say this to me. Listen to what he said. He said, when one bomb is dropped... He said, it doesn't make any difference if the Koreans, the Russians, the Chinese, or the Americans. He said, when one nuclear bomb is dropped, he said, everything in an instant will change. He said, everything in an instant will change. He said, it will not be like it is now. That Laodicean church, they had money, they had everything. But listen to what God said. He said, you are poor, you are wretched, you are naked and you're blind. You need to buy salve from me and put on those eyes so you can see clearly what the, what the Lord wants. And we come to this little church, Smyrna. He, he says to them, he said, I know you too. He said, you have tribulation. He said, you have poverty. He says this, he says, but you're rich. He said, but you're rich. He said, I know the Jews. I know that Satan, I know they come and try to destroy you. I know this. I know what they've done. He says to them, he says, the devil shall cast some of you into prison. Listen to me, that's why the third world countries are thriving today. Because that's the church of Smyrna. I would to God that that's what we are. Would be that. Come on, people. I wish that's what we were. And then there's that last church, Philadelphia. And that church is in revival. Some people say this was the great awakening. 
that went through the North America, the Philadelphia church. I say the Philadelphia church is still today, the church in revival. Listen, it's, it, this church was called Little Athens because it was in the most pagan place of all. And here's what they did. They reproved and they corrected and they served the Lord. We are living in a time when we need to turn to God. Here's my friend, listen to me. Nothing fools God. He knows me, he knows you. Nothing fools him. When we sin, God don't turn his head and run away like we think he does. When we sin, he's standing right there watching it. He doesn't go. He never leaves us or forsake us. The devil isn't concerned about the world and the people in it. He already has them. He is concerned with the church to destroy the church from within. Revelation 22 and verse 7. I'm going to close with this, with three scripture verses. Revelation 22 and verse 7. Jesus says, after all has taken place, and we're coming to an end of this book, and we're coming to an end of the writings of the Word of God, he says, Behold, I come quickly. Blessed. Everybody say blessed. That word means happy with joy. He said, Behold, I come quickly. Blessed is he that keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. Then in verse 12, he says this, Behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me, to give every man according as his work shall be. And then the third time, he says this in verse 20, I come quickly, amen, even so, come Lord Jesus. Would you stand with us? He says three times, you want to go ahead and take that, he says three times he comes quickly. I believe this, I can't find any proof in God's word for it, so it's just a belief in my heart. I believe the first time he says, I come quickly, was for the Father. So that the Father says, listen, take heed. I think the second time he said, I come quickly, was for he himself, Jesus. I think the third time he said, I come quickly, was for the Holy Spirit. Because he's here abiding with us now, telling us what to look for. You see, I believe this. Doris, you want to come to the piano? I believe this with all my heart. Hebrews 13, verse 8. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Listen, if he would, he still will. If he could, he still can. And if he did, he still does. Pastor Woodson taught us that. That's who he is. The day of miracle is not past. God will heal you this morning. He will save you this morning. If I look around this church and basically I can look around and say, we're all saved. I know every one of you. But I don't know what your walk with Jesus is. Is there anything you need to lay at the foot of the cross? Is there anything that you need to do to make that relationship better? with God here's one thing I tell you and I believe it I tell you he'll take your grief and he'll take your sorrow 
He'll take your pain. He'll take your sickness. He'll take your disease. The Bible says that all came to Jesus were healed of the sicknesses. It says all those who came to him with spirits were delivered. That's who he is. But somebody might say, well, that was Jesus. Listen, Jesus is in me, the hope of glory. In John chapter 14 and verse 12, Jesus says to his disciples, he said, the things that I do, you shall also do. But greater than these shall ye do, because I go away to be with the Father. We don't understand something about Jesus. When he came to this earth, he emptied himself and became like man. 100% God, 100% man, but he did everything like a man. So he couldn't be in two places at one time. If he was in Samaria, he couldn't be in Galilee. How many of you understand that? Now, understand this. He was healing. And the Bible says if everything was recorded about all the things that Jesus did, there's not enough ink, there's not enough paper, there's not enough to write it down. He did that as one man. Well, what about all of us, Christ in us, the hope of glory? See, the devil don't want a little secret out. He doesn't want, he doesn't want this man to know that the kingdom of God is in him, and everywhere he goes, the kingdom of God goes. So everywhere you go, if you encounter a demonic spirit, cast it out. If you encounter somebody who is sick, lay hands on them. If you encounter an addiction, deliver that person in the name of Jesus. You don't have to bring them to me. You have the power in the name of Jesus. Listen to what Paul says to the, to the Colossians in 1, 26 and 27. I'll kind of paraphrase it. He said, I'm going to show you a mystery that's been hidden from past generations. Do you understand the church was not revealed in the Old Testament? Do you understand that the Bible says that Abraham rejoiced to see this day? This day we're throwing away. Abraham rejoiced to see it. What was it? It was his promise. The seed Jesus came through him. And he rejoiced to see this day. Do you understand that the prophets would trade places with the least among us just to live in this day? In the day when men can speak the words of God and defeat the enemy in just a word? Listen to what Colossians says. says, that has been hidden from past generations and ages. Which is now revealed in the Gentiles. What is that? Christ in us, the hope of glory. In us, my goodness, to think what we can do.